Hello and welcome to Living Veda. I'm Rachel and I want you to live long and live well. Together, let's explore the ancient art of Ayurveda and yoga so that you can build a life well-lived. I'm here to teach you these truths in a modern and livable way, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here and listening. Today, we're going to talk about the connection between yoga and Ayurveda. So what do these two sciences have to do with each other? And then a little bit more specifically, how can Ayurveda apply to specifically a modern yoga practice so that that practice can serve you even better? So you've probably heard that yoga and Ayurveda are sister sciences, but what exactly does that mean? And what does one really have to do with the other? And how do you know if the yoga classes you're taking are well aligned with Ayurveda? So basically you might be wondering, what does Ayurveda have to do with yoga, and how can it prove, help me improve my practice? And I'm going to try to answer that. But before we jump in too much, I want to remind you that I have created an introduction to Ayurveda course that really helps you deepen your understanding of how this science works and then start applying it to your life right now. It is 35 videos, but they are all less than five minutes long, and there are visuals constantly. There's quizzes at the end of each section, and I'm doing my very best to keep you engaged and keep you learning. So it's broken into four main sections that start with just an overall philosophy and worldview understanding that help you uh, be more informed as we move into the doshas, into nutrition, and then how to apply all of that good, helpful knowledge to your life right now. Please check it out. I'll link to it in the episode notes, or you can just go to vedacircle.com and find it under courses. All the information you learn there in that course is going to help you make these lessons here make even more sense to you so that you can understand them at an even deeper level. Okay, so... Back to the subject, yoga and Ayurveda are sister sciences because they both come from the Vedas. That's why this is called Living Veda. And that's why the, the whole shebang is called Veda Circle. It's wisdom from the Vedas, my friends. And the Vedas are ancient wisdom texts. And there were four of them. Yoga was first recorded in the Rig Veda. And Ayurveda is also in the Rig Veda because it mentions medicinal herbs and plants, but it's largely found in the Atharva Veda, which goes deeper into health and disease. But all four Vedas are written in Sanskrit. They're really, really, really old. They're ancient. And they live all in the same worldview, which is the Vedic worldview. Um, and that can be thought of as understanding the thinking in this time when the wisdom texts were recorded. And it's really important to understand that Vedic worldview in order to understand the connection between yoga and Ayurveda. Okay, so first of all, we gotta understand what is yoga. And most of us these days think of yoga as yoga asana, or the movement classes that we mostly practice here in the States. And these classes are great. I, I teach them. I love them. They are beneficial in a million different ways. But to really understand the Vedic worldview of yoga and her sister science Ayurveda, let's just drop for a moment the, the understanding that yoga equals movement class because that definition is not going to be helpful. So yoga 
as it exists in the Vedas, is a science of self-evolution and discovery that alters the consciousness of an individual. It's a spiritual path. It moves the practitioner from a state of disconnection towards one of unity or yoga. So yoga or union means that a person's understanding of reality has fundamentally shifted to include everything. There's a Rumi quote that says, you are not a drop in the ocean, you are the entire ocean in a drop. And yoga is a science that takes that knowledge from cerebral to experienced. Perhaps you've heard about Patanjali and his Eightfold Path of Yoga. This is just one yogic system of several different systems, but in this specific system, in Patanjali's, there are different practices that lead the practitioner toward a state of samadhi or unity consciousness. And one of the steps on that path is asana, yoga asana. But here, <laughs> it, it just means to sit. All the asanas that are actually a part of ancient yoga are about sitting. Now, sitting well and breathing and paying deep attention. But I bet you can already visualize how this application of asana is different than the flow class you dropped into, right? It's not the same thing. So now hold on y'all, stay with me. Let's hold off on any idea that one thing is good or bad or right or wrong and, and labeling which is which. My personal opinion here is that there's a time and there is a place for everything, at least almost everything. And there's more than one way to do about everything too. So if we really wanna understand something, it's usually helpful to go back to the roots to get a good understanding. So in yoga's original form in the Vedas, it is all about spiritual development. And if the idea of spiritual anything just gives you the stayaways, you can instead think of it as consciousness development or really even human evolution. It's about getting you to a state where you understand the bone structure of the universe. And I can't tell you what you're going to find there. It is all about experience. In order to do these yogic practices that evolve your consciousness, you need to be well. And that's where Ayurveda comes in. If you've ever had, and I know you have y'all, a bad cold or a flu, or man, I used to get strep throat all the time when I was a kid, strep throat. You know, if you've ever been sick, that when you're sick, that is the only thing you can think about. That is the only thing you can give your attention to. So Ayurveda is the sister to yoga that keeps your vehicle, your body, in optimal shape so that your spirit can do some legit road tripping. Okay, within the worldview of the Vedas, everyone already understood that the body, the mind, and the spirit were one unit and that they all needed to be balanced and well. So the idea that a, a human being's or a person's mental health has an effect on their physical body was just given. That was just the truth. Everybody understood that. There was an understanding of interconnectedness. And Ayurveda was there to prevent problems from ever happening in the first place. And then when inevitably, of course, they do, it helps to pick up the slack and bring things back into balance. Ayurveda offers an understanding of the interconnectedness of human beings to nature as their ecosystem. It helps us see how the same basic elements and principles are driving all of creation, 
so that you can live in ways that help you to not accidentally swim upstream. And when inevitably there is a disturbance in your system, Ayurveda offers tools to help restore balance. And most of these tools are going to come in the form of food and herbs, nature, even awareness practices. However, the ancient system is so intricate that it even involves and includes surgeries when they're necessary. That is a beautiful idea to me. So it's this concept that nothing is inherently good or bad for you, that everything can be used as medicine for the right person at the right time. And that resonates really is just deeply true, right? In a world that wants to fight about which fad diet everyone should be doing, I adore the ancient wisdom truth of for whom and when. So to sum it up, yoga develops your consciousness and Ayurveda keeps your body well so that you can keep practicing and developing. Okay, so how does all of this apply to a modern day yoga class? where sitting is probably the one asana that you skip. Movement has a strong effect on the body. The way we move informs how we feel, and we can either move in ways that restore balance or aggravate it. Ancient truths will always apply because everything is nature, everything is governed by the same forces and elements, and we can either be working with them wisely or a sad, salmon on a death trip upstream. So we're going to dig a little deeper into those forces and elements that do govern everything. The five elements that compose the universe are earth, air, fire, water, and ether. And these elements combine to create the three fundamental doshas. So pitta is composed of fire and water. Vata is composed of ether and air. Kappa is composed of earth and water. Nature has a natural ebb and flow to her, so the doshas ebb and flow in strength throughout our day, throughout our lives, and throughout the year. And the more we learn to recognize their presence, the more likely we are to be able to choose movement practices that help keep us in a state of balance instead of aggravation. Okay, so for example, let's picture November. November, at least where, where I live, it's windy, it's cold, it's dry. <laughs> it's a very movable, changeable time. And movable, changeable, cold, and dry, those are all qualities of air and ether, ether, <laughs> ether, or vata dosha. And because there's already so much vata energy present in the month of November, if I also choose movement practices that are very movable and changeable and fast and cold and dry, I'm probably gonna start to have salmon syndrome. That, I don't know, salmon syndrome, I just made it up. That's that swimming up thing. Swimming up, swim, swimming up stream thing. But in contrast, if I practiced slow, steady movement with deep, full breathing, I'm probably going to feel more balanced. It really is that simple. Don't fight with Mother Nature. You'll know that you're in a yoga class that's aligned with Ayurveda if it feels like the teacher is considering what's happening in nature and that informs the speed, intensity, and type of movement that you do. So, for example, 
a hot summer day in the middle of July might have a more slow and steady feel to it with some extra cooling breathing practices, while in contrast a cold day in January will have a more vigorous movement to it, a, an intensity and a heat. It's really simple in its complexity. It's just an awareness of the great balancing act that is life and using movement as a tool to help. If you want to take a deeper dive into the doshas, uh, I wrote you a book. Go to vedacircle.com and download the free doshas ebook. It'll have you put your email in and then it'll email to you. It's a much deeper look into each dosha uh, at this day level, at the stage of life, at the year. It really goes in deep into the doshas. It's like 50 something pages and it will help you understand how to work with them better. And it's free, so we'll go get that if you want to learn more. But for now, I'm going to jump instead more deeply into the three forces or the energetic states called gunas that we find throughout all the universe. These three gunas exist in all matter and are generally, uh, they're related to psychological nature, where the doshas are related to the physiological nature. So the three gunas are sattva, which relates to consciousness, rajas, which relates to activity, and tamas, which relates to stability. In general, the yogi is seeking to be in a sattvic state, and a yogi will use food and movement and breath and other practices to create and stay in a sattvic state. And this is not to say that the other states are bad, not, not at all. Everything has its place, it's just, again, it's that balancing act. So sattva is the energy of pure consciousness. It's saintly. It is calm and peaceful and gentle, and it is a harmonious way of being. So foods that will help you create a sattvic state, it's, it's pretty obvious, right? They're pure fruits, pure vegetables that are cooked in olive oil, minimally prepared. A sattvic state is a balanced state. And this can only happen when rajas and tamas are balanced and doing well as well. So rajas, the other, one of the other three states, is the energy of passion and movement and activity. And it has like a fiery quality to it. So foods that will increase a rajasic state are garlics and onion and peppers and spices. So Basically anything that wakes you up just a little bit too much is rajasic in nature. In a modern yoga asana class, uh, if you're doing like a dozen chaturangas really fast and you're getting overheated and you're overworking, this can aggravate rajas. And in contrast, nadi shodhana or alternate nostril breathing, satali or the cooling breath, they can or, and also practicing like slow, steady movements, like a holding a warrior pose or sitting in Velasana squat for a while, all of those can be really balancing to rajas. So the third energetic state or psychological state is tamas, and that is the energy of inertia. When there's too much of it, it turns into laziness and ignorance and lethargy. And when you're in the middle of experiencing too much tamasic energy, you're probably going to crave fried food, heavy foods, and you're just going to want to stay put on the couch, 
out of it, you can already see how those things will aggravate a tamasic seed even more. But if instead you stick to light whole foods that are minimally prepared and you move your body, then you're going to start to feel better. So in a yoga class, that might look like sun salutations or kabbalabhati pranayam. It could look like choosing to go to a flow class instead of choosing to go lie down in a restorative class. And a yoga teacher is going to have an easier time working with the doshas than the gudas in a group class setting. The doshas, which are physiological, can easily be found in the current season. And there's going to be an overarching truth and framework for everyone in the class. So, for example, if it's the middle of July, everyone is going to be experiencing the abundance of pitta dosha. Now, of course, at the individual level, there's tons of room for specificity. So we could say, is this person in the blaring air conditioning in an office all day and really dried out from that? Are they in the vata stage of life on top of that and really struggling to feel warm and hydrated, even though it's 100 degrees outside? Um, are they eating nothing but frozen strawberry popsicles and wondering why their appetite is waning? As much as I wish that there was space for this kind of attention to detail in a group class setting, it's, it's just not possible. But at a bare minimum, you can notice if the classes you're choosing to go to have an awareness of seasonality. If so, the teacher is going to be working with the doshas at some level to try to help restore and maintain a sense of balance. The gunas, or the psychological states, uh, they're more, more better. They're much better utilized in uh, an Ayurvedic yoga therapy session. So one class of people, if you're in a group class setting, you could be working with everything, just both excess and depleted versions of all of the gunas. So it can be an impossible task to pick something that's going to balance everyone in that room. Generally, all yoga classes are working towards a sattvic state, but how you get a person there has a lot to do with where they're starting from. So you have a few options. One is to have an awareness of your own state of being and then wisely choose a class and a teacher that's gonna help balance you out. So if you know that you're in an overly tamasic state, stay away from restorative classes and choose to hit up that flow class. If in contrast, you know that you're in an overly rajasic state, then find a grounded teacher who can help steadily slow you down with breath and movement. And the same applies to a home yoga practice. It's not always about doing what you want, but what you need. Pay attention to your own gunas, and that's going to help you have an awareness of what you need. And then mindfulness and devotion and self-love will help you practice what you're lacking, even in those times when you really don't want to. Another option is to work with an Ayurvedic yoga therapist who can give all of their attention to your specific set of circumstances, imbalances, and needs. And this can be especially helpful if you feel like you've been stuck in one state for a long time and you're at a loss for what tools to use to help you regain a sense of balance. All right, I'm gonna to try to wrap this all up in a bow for you. 
Yoga and Ayurveda are sister sciences that both come from the Vedas, or for really ancient wisdom text. Yoga is a science of self-evolution that changes a person's consciousness, and Ayurveda keeps the physical body well so the consciousness can have a chance to evolve. Ayurveda wants to keep you balanced so you can stay well. There are three physiological doshas, vata, pitta, kapha, and the need to stay balanced. And there are three psychological energetic states or gunas found in all of matter that also need to stay balanced. More specifically, rajas and tamas need to be in a balanced state for there to be a sattvic state. And because Ayurveda is based on understanding and working with the laws of nature, everything that we do, eat, think, consume, and experience will either bring us closer or further from balance. Movement is a powerful tool that can either balance or unbalance us. Yoga asana classes, either at home or in a studio or with a private therapist, can either help move us toward a balanced state of being or aggravate us even more. So I invite you to check in with yourself. Are you using yoga asana in a way that serves you? Does it help you feel more balanced? I really hope so, but if not, okay, so let's change it. I hope that you have the information you need to pick classes and practices that have at least a gentle awareness of where these beautiful ancient practices come from and they work with that wisdom. But if you're feeling stuck or if you, if you have questions, come talk to me. Uh, you can write to me at hello at vedacircle.com. You can find me on Instagram as vedacircle. And if you send me a message, I will do my very best to write you back and answer you. Uh, speaking of which, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those of you who are leaving reviews, um, especially those of you who are writing them. I really, really appreciate it. If you haven't yet, please do <laughs> tell a friend. Um, I hope that more people can hear. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope that you have a better understanding of how yoga and Ayurveda are connected and how Ayurveda can help make your yoga practice even more beneficial. So until next time, my friends, may all diseases be conquered as by a powerful forest fire. Thank you and goodbye.